Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kay Fresh. This is episode 27. And it's finally warm outside here in Michigan. Spring has sprung. No longer that freezing weather that we had like a week ago. It was disgusting and my body sucked. Uh, my body really sucks during those times. I, I feel like dying. I'm already, I was already dealing with that... Uh, food poisoning that I, you know, mentioned on the last episode, uh, I'm still, I'm still a little weak from that, just to be perfectly honest, but I'm, uh, I'm getting past it, uh, we got a great show for you, like, you know, every week's a great show, and I hope you're enjoying, uh, the podcast thus far, um, sad news in the wrestling world, uh, ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, original, Balls Mahoney, he passed away at the age of 44. Uh, dude, that's it. Yo, he was one of the, he was like one of those guys that was like the heart and soul of ECW back then. When you, you just, no, no one had a bad thing to say about him. He was so, everybody just loved him, man. And he was so entertaining. He just came out. He had his own chair. He had his own customized chair for every big major event. Um, and you know he's just gonna he was gonna wail away on someone's head with the chair, and uh, he had you know came out to the ACDC song you know, uh, and it was just always fun with him and him and and his partner who also passed away recently uh, Axel Rotten, uh, they were just like one of those that was sort of like lived and breathed ECW. It was like they were what ECW was about, if you had to describe, you know, if you had had a, have a few examples of what ECW was back then, Balls Mahoney was definitely someone you could put on that list because he just embodied the spirit of that, that wrestling organization, an amazing time in pro wrestling. So we're definitely going to miss you, Balls Mahoney. Thank you for all the great years of just entertaining chair swinging, barbed wire, tomfoolery in the ring. You know, you had the biggest balls of them all. What else is going on in my life? Uh, last night, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm recording this on Monday, January 18th. Uh, I went to Crowfoot in Pontiac to Cal uh, uh, & Company from uh, 89X. Uh, they put on this, uh, you know, I guess it was a free show, completely sold out, you know, with... Uh, Few sort of like metalcore bands, hard rock metalcore bands, uh, headlined by Detroit's own We Came as Romans, and then uh, Troy Ohio's uh, Miss May I, and then also another favorite of mine, the hard rock band from Detroit, Wilson. And this was actually one of the funnest shows I've been to all year. It was just a great vibe. All the bands kicked ass. Uh, it was just cool, man. It was just so energetic, so positive, so just so like. And I've never, I've never seen We Came as Romans or Miss May I before live, and they really kicked ass. Uh, Wilson's favorite of mine. That was like the second time I've seen them live, uh, and they're always and they played my favorite song by them, Crave. 
Uh, so, I mean, if you're into any of that sort of metal, I, I know a lot of people already know about We Came as Romans and Miss May I. They, they got a pretty big following. Uh, so if you haven't seen them before, I think you should go see them. Definitely haven't seen Wilson before. They've been, you know, opening a lot of tours lately uh, all across the world, you know. So I just hope for more and more success. Hopefully I can get them on the podcast again. I did interview uh, the lead singer, Chad Nicefield, uh, last year uh, for a Huffington Post Detroit piece. And, you know, he's a good dude, you know. Ran into him at the show uh, afterwards. You know, finally bought their uh, vinyl, their uh, Right to Rise vinyl, and it's beautiful. It has this, like, it's white with green splashes on the vinyl. So it was good to see him. Uh, just all in all, great show. You know, I have, you know, I just love going to stuff like that. I did totally miss the Slum Village and Friends show down at the, uh, I guess, the Majestic Theater. But I, to just to be perfectly honest, I sometimes I just need a break from that sort of hip-hop stuff, you know? So I've seen them a million times. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever... I mean, just to put it period, point blank, I don't know if I want to see the current incarnation of Slum Village. I saw the, I saw the original Slum Village with T3, Batin, and JD perform before, you know, uh, more specifically... It was June, July, 2000, Good Vibes Tour, St. Andrews Hall. JD had two NPCs up there. They went through their whole, like, catalog at that time. And at that time, all the, the whole catalog was Fantastic Volume 1 and 2. <laughs> so they literally just went through all the stuff that they would normally not really perform because he, you know, JD brought out all the, you know, all the original discs and stuff like that so, could play, so they could uh, perform all that stuff. So... It's nothing against anything, um, Slum Village, Fat Cat, Black Milk, Guilty. But sometimes I need to be more than just what you guys think I am. For, you know, more specifically in the hip-hop scene, sometimes I feel a little pigeonholed for... I, I did a lot of work in the hip-hop scene for many years, and I feel like I got pigeonholed, so I'm really striving to do more, even if it isn't music related i want to just do more outside of just detroit hip-hop or dilla stuff or detroit music or just hip-hop in general i want something else because it just it just isn't there for me anymore just to be pigeonholed into that sort of thing you know and that's what i'm kind of searching i think we all kind of get into a point where we we want something else, you know, and we all kind of struggle with that in our 20s and 30s, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, where do I want to go next, you know? And it's a scary, uncomfortable next step to do, you know? Do I want to stay here in Detroit? Do I want to move? Do I need new scenery? Do you, do I need to move away? Do I just need to travel? What? I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of questions I need to ask myself, but that that's what I'm going through right now and that's what I'm trying to figure out you know what do I want to do with my life right now I you know I don't want to just walk away from all I love music you know I love doing all this stuff but I can't be in the same place I was 10 years ago and I don't care to have everybody still want to talk to me about the same old shit 
that we talked about five, ten years ago, man. And, like, some people just need to – I think some people need to just move on. And then some people – I just I, – I just need something new. So uh, enough of that. Let's get to the show. Uh, great interview with uh, – a uh, singer-songwriter musician out of Seattle named Jessica Dobson. Uh, she uh, she's a part of a band that was kind of like her. At first, it was like her, you know, solo moniker, uh, Deep Sea Diver. But it's more of a all-encompassing, full-fledged band now. They have a really great album out right now called uh, Secrets. I uh, recently saw them live here in Detroit, and it was such a uh, it was such a good show. Even though. Uh, Jessica was a little under the weather at that time during the tour. Uh, I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend that you uh, check out Deep Sea Diver. Uh, it's a really cool sort of, you know, vibey indie rock sort of, you know, project. You know, it isn't, it's a little bit more, I guess, emotive than, I guess, your stereotypical you know, indie rock, but then that's why I like it. So let's get to the interview with uh, Jessica Dobson from Deep Sea Diver. What's up, Millie? How are you? I'm great. How you doing? Doing great. Cool. Driving, cool. driving down the five. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, tonight's uh, the first uh, date on the tour, right? Tonight is the second. We added a wedding date about a couple months ago. Oh, okay. It's good. It's a little warm up. It's the you know the bigger cities. And yeah, so tonight is day two, night two. Great. Yeah, I talked with um, yeah yesterday. I interviewed uh, Lizzie from your uh, touring mates, Radiation City. Yeah. Mhm. How'd that go? Oh, it was great. It was good talking with her. They're good people. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> That's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time out to uh, you know do this interview with me. Yeah, definitely am digging the the new album. Uh, I really enjoy it. Thank you. I'm very glad we succeeded with one person at least with you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, like um, in the past, you've been a part of you know you were a part of the Shins for a little while, uh, then uh, played with a, you know a few of other bands. How does it feel to have like your own thing now and be able to go out and perform it and put out these releases like this new album? Yeah, it's very fulfilling. I mean, I think that, you know, that role as a friend for other bands has its place and is so much fun. And, you know, the pressure's off you because you're not the front person, but then, you know, to come back to your own your own thing, your own baby, you know, what you put the most time and energy into and to give it, you know, be, give it your all and then be able to tour on it and run it properly, that, that to me at the end is more fulfilling, but I, I very much to cherish my time touring with other bands. Great. And I read, you know, back when you were 19, you got signed to Atlantic, but the albums that you made got shelved. You know, looking back, you know, how do you feel about that time, uh, you know, recording all that music but never it never coming out? Yeah. You know, I feel great about it. It, it is what it is, and uh, I don't regret the decisions I made at that age because I didn't know any better. So uh, I learned a lot about the music industry, which is, uh, you know, fluctuates, can be ugly, can be fun. Uh, you know, you learn to make decisions for yourself and to surround yourself with the right people. So, 
I the lessons I learned were invaluable, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I now that we have our own record label, I feel very equipped, and I'm still learning, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it's valuable. Yeah, once, uh, yeah, after all that, you did start uh, recording under the, you know, Deep Sea Diver moniker. What, uh, you know, what ultimately led to those initial steps to, you know, just kind of do your own thing under that name? Yeah, so at the time, you know, I'd kind of constantly been searching for people to be in a band with uh, that, you know, I would write songs with, and I, I kind of aged for the collaborative experience, but couldn't quite get that arranged, and so I was like, well, until then, I'm just going to go under the moniker of DC Diver, and uh, so that's how that, because I had already been playing as a solo artist, but I, I wanted to call it something with hopes for the future that it would become more of a band effort, because so I do best in collaborative experience. I can write my own songs and do that fine on my own, but I think that they really come alive when I'm playing with other people who I trust and have great ideas. Speaking of that collaborative nature, you know, kind of extend upon that, you know, what is it about, you know, sort of working with the right people that sort of brings your ideas more to life? Yeah, well, I just think, you know, first off, it's fascinating. I've read about, like, uh, Talking Heads, like, even, like, Psycho Killer was supposed to be this kind of this acoustic ballad, and then he brought it to the band, and then it turns into, like, more of a rock jam obviously very iconic song, but he, David Byrne, said, like, he would have never foreseen it becoming uh, an arrangement like that. And, you know, I have the same sentiment with collaboration. Uh, so many of the songs that I've written uh, speak 100% different if I have other people who I trust around me. And I, I feed off the energy, too, in a room if something's going well, because it's kind of hard to stop me from wanting to be great. And I don't like being isolated. And oftentimes, so artists, and when I was in that, you get way too out of your head and uh, just guess everything you do. And I still do that even in the band, but I have people around me who, I don't know, keep going good and don't ditch it quite yet. I, I think if I didn't have that, I would probably ditch like 99% of my songs to speak hard and, <laughs> you know, have that affirmation around you of people you trust. What's sort of your process about, uh, you know, writing music and then kind of taking those ideas and then eventually they become, an, you know, the final song? You know, what's sort of your process? I really, what I do best, it's a, it's a metaphor or an image that I have that's very strong uh, or a very uh, striking story that somebody told me. I really well with personal stories of knowing something and somebody and... Uh, so that's always kind of a good jumping point for me. Uh, it's a little bit harder when it's like vague and I'm just writing music but don't have any lyrical ideas in mind. And I want this song, I want the, every part that I write to match the vibe and how I'm thinking and what I'm trying to say lyrically. I don't do well with cut and paste. So uh, there has to be a very strong vibe surrounding the song for, for it to kick off at first. And that's kind of how I start off. And then sometimes it is, you know, just a little piano part that I'm writing that I'm not even thinking about, and then it'll turn into an entire song. Um, there really is no method to be ever, which is kind of fun and frustrating because it's nothing to rely on 100% of formula. So 
it's different every time, but generally, like, I have really strong pain, uh, sorrow, loss, or that strong metaphor, like I was saying, for image. It's very helpful to me. Right. Well, um, during your time with the Shins, uh, you eventually got to the point where you left the band and dedicated more time to this uh, Deep Sea Diver project. What, was, what sort of led to finally making that decision to, you know, dedicate more time to this? Yeah, so the tour was winding down. I think there was only like a month left of touring missions. And I had, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect for these history speaks in fandom, you know, when I was touring missions. And it, it uh, started, you know, gaining momentum, especially in the Northwest. And AXP picked up our record and started getting radio play. And things were happening that I didn't expect. So by the end of the Shins tour, we uh, had all these opportunities to tour. And, you know, I, I was very hesitant to ask. I, I'm not somebody that just kind of, like, cancels my commitment to things. And, uh, and I love all those people. And, and James is a dear friend of mine. And so when I – we got offers for tours, and it was just kind of like, oh, my God, I knew, like, I've got to at least ask if, you know, I can go do these things. So I ended up asking. Him, and he was more, way more than cool about it. He was like just stoked for for me, and he said, "Yeah, totally, go do your thing." And so they, there was the only way I, that that was possible was because my friend Mark started playing guitar in the band, so he ended up taking my guitar for that last portion of the tour, and it ended up not being a big deal. But I was pretty afraid to ask him for it. So it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's like I was given that opportunity for years, and you know, to bow out. Just like a very good idea, but in the end, it worked out. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Going into uh, you know recording uh, this the new album, uh, Secrets. You know, what was sort of your mood going into it? You know, what were you looking to accomplish? I think we kind of tried to get our footing with the Always Waiting EP and realize what we did and did not want to do in the recording of the sophomore album, and. Mainly that was we didn't want to make a long, drawn-out record where um, months and months in the studio and too much time in your hands to overthink things, to change things. That's so easy when you're recording digitally to keep adding tracks on tracks on tracks. And so we ended up uh, recording the record of the basic tracks six days in L.A. We booked time at a studio with one of our favorite engineers, worked a lot with, like, Radiohead, Beck, Air, like, done some insane records. And so we were kind of forced to bring it because, you know, we had so little time to get drum bass to present, and we wanted the record to sound like they sound live. And that's a really hard thing to accomplish and to get that spirit. And so we relied pretty heavily on our producer and engineer to be able to say, like, okay, that was that was the tip uh, Take that was a take, and you know, we do five or six takes, and he would stop us. We'd want to do another one. Our inclination is like, oh, we could do it better, but you know, <laughs> nope, that was it. That had the quote-unquote magic in it. So yeah, um, and so yeah, we wanted to make a bolder record. It played a lot more guitar on this record, um, and not just just played guitar, but experimented more and tried to step up as a front person. Lyrically, the way I sang the song, uh, how intense some of the guitar parts are, and I think everybody took a step forward in a bold direction. 
Yeah, I see that your your drummer Peter Manson is actually your husband. Like, how does that mm-hmm. how does that sort of you know work out within the band? Um. Well, it works itself out daily. <laughs> uh, it has ups and downs. Uh, mostly, we you know it's like kind of like when we're on and when we're communicating and not being uh, buttheads about whose ideas are better or having a bad attitude in practice. You know, it's easy to break the spirit of creativity, but um, it's one of the most fulfilling things ever because I get to do what I love doing with the person I love the most who's doing what he loves to do. So it's like (laughs) pinnacle moments. I just got laughed at by my guitar player. (laughs) Fuck you, Elliot. (laughs) Matt, yeah. Why? Okay, sorry, I got distracted. Shut the fuck up, Elliot. Elliot wants to talk to you about wrestling right now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Elliot wants to... I'm not kidding. I'm just trying to put him on the spot. I'm but a big wrestling fan. Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big wrestling fan. Like, part of my podcast is about talking about wrestling. Yeah, that's what I hear. You should you should quiz me on my wrestling knowledge, and we'll see how, how uh, hip I am to that stuff. I'm not very... But I want to see if I can answer your questions. Um, okay, are you, okay, are you, do you know things that are going on now or some old school stuff? You know what, I've been not, like, what I know about wrestling, what's that game you play, Peter? On WWE Ultimate Smackdown on what, PlayStation? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I know, I know about Hulk Hogan, I know that game, and they make some ridiculous characters that are wearing, like, the craziest shit, and then, um, <laughs> Macho Man, Randy Savage, okay. Uh, he has a hip-hop album. I know that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and other than that, it's what I see in the movies. I was just going to see, like, if I had, you know, some, like, balances in my subconscious that I'm, you know, answer your question. I, I highly doubt it. I'm, but you should throw me a question, though. What, what do you got? Um, let's see here. Um, here's a... What is a... What is a... What is one of Steve, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's catchphrases? What's one of Stone Cold Steve Austin's catchphrases? Hold it up. What do you got? I got the rock. I got... I got the rock. I'm trying to lean on these guys. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I know this. Uh, <laughs> don't make me put my blood in your face. That's enough. <laughs> 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 um, next question. <laughs> well, just to answer that. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't kill it. I was just, I was just trying to make myself. <laughs> well, his main one is, is like that's the bottom line because Stone Cold that's said the so. Bottom line. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or Austin three sixteen means I just whipped your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That was perfect. Honestly, I should just go with your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> okay, um <laughs> Okay, um for this uh for this new album, you know, what are some of the themes you uh are trying to talk about on this album? Well, some of it is addressing because of the what's affected 
me and my creativity a lot in others around me, which is kind of that isolated feeling of you know, the, the direction that technology has moved in the last 10 years. It can be really and very disheartening because, um, you know, even I was just thinking about before you call me, like, you don't talk to many people on the phone anymore. And really, the only time I'm on the phone is for interviews or if my, you know, parents call if I haven't talked to to a friend who doesn't live in town for a long time. And uh, I hate texting people. Yeah. That's kind of a necessary evil. That's well, the way things work. Emails, you know, when people use emails, it's, you know, take very personal things. I don't prefer it. Like, And I like talking to people. That's what I thrive in. And I like being face-to-face. And I don't like to waste my time on text messages that... Uh, are just kind of bullshit and time wasting. So, um, right. like, like I don't care about someone taking a picture of their coffee and saying, I'm not going to comment on <laughs> But, right. um, anyway, sorry, I go on a little tirades about technology. I'm not above it. And so I kind of just tried to address it. And I know a lot of musicians are addressing that, like how that feels to feel disconnected from the world and with your friends and family and people. And so this record, I wanted to write a lot of things that uh, felt like I was shaking myself and shaking other people out of, like, if they're in a slumber, if, if they're feeling like, I don't recognize myself anymore, and these are my ambitions, and somehow they've been narrowed and, uh, as a direct effect of being disconnected from people. So I want to shake myself out of that slumber. I don't want to to be somebody who's, you know, constantly curled up and looking at myself or choosing to do business things over creative things. Like, I want to put beauty into this world and I want that for other people. So, uh, a lot of it deals with that. And then a lot of it deals with loss and just personal relationships and people breaking up, divorcing, um, uh, not being friends with certain people anymore. And I try to be a lot less vague on this record and, um, growing, like, narrative lyrics, but I don't know if I succeeded. But anyway, that's, that's kind of the theme of the record. Yeah, definitely. Because... Uh, what you just said is kind of like one of the reasons why I started doing this podcast was I was trying to sort of reconnect with people that I know, uh, people kind of connect in a more direct way with people that I just met or just sort of um, got connected with their music or whatnot. I want because yeah. I was not doing that for such a long time that I was very, I felt very disconnected. Like I remember recently, yeah. like, and I'm saying probably about five months ago, I found like like my best friend from seventh grade. I found his dad on on um, Facebook, and I asked him about him, and he gave him gave me his number, but I still haven't called him because I don't I hate calling people like on the <laughs> phone. But if you were to give me my email, I would have emailed him like right on the spot. Right. <laughs> so. And you feel like you can kind of. Uh, like that's just been an effect of, over the last like few years, or have you always had the burst for phone calls? I think I, I've always kind of been that way. I was never a like a phone talking person, and that was like the worst when you're like dating a girl, and they're just always like they used to always like call me and just be on there talking forever. But then, <laughs> but then, yeah. 
what kind of like what you said, like it like recently it switched to the text messaging. Like yeah. the f- past few girls that I, I was I was kind of dating, they would text me like crazy. Oh, I think we felt. Uh oh. Hey, it's Jessica. Please leave me a message. Uh-oh. Yellow. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> it's alright. Got disconnected. I tried to to um, increase the volume on my little wireless headset thing, and I just pulled up on you. That's so, alright. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you were saying that text message is now the new. Yeah, it's like it was like when when I was sort of like these the few the past like recent uh, girls I was kind of kicking it with, it turned to the text message thing where they were just always like texting me incessantly, and I'm like, and, and I, I've definitely seen that sort of shift in in yeah. other people too, yeah. you know, where it's like we're using the technology much more like that and kind of not connecting on a certain level you know i've always i've always been kind of a shy person to begin with you know and certain things have gotten me out of my shell and even more so with this podcast that i've been doing it's helped me in other ways recently so i'm trying to get back into a way where you're like actually sort of connecting with people on a human level more yeah that's awesome so, with that, this end product for this new album, how do you feel that it's different than anything you've done in the past? Uh, I think it's, oh man, I just like, I kind of like, before in a previous question, where everything just seems more bold, and it's more collaborative, class effort, um, and... Even in the artwork and how we presented things this time around, because we had the time to be able to get everything right. Whereas, you know, the first release, I was on tour with the Shinto, a little bit more hodgepodge. So, like, I'm really proud. Like, I feel like everything has to go to it that utterly didn't quite have that. And, um, between the video cues that we did and the music videos and the cover, I love the cover. And then it's weird to think it was myself in the cover, but I don't think it's weird to the whole. Britney Spears staring into the camera, kind of cover. It's art stage, it's kind of French New Wave, and it's cool, and I really like it. Um, yeah, I like the cover so, of the album. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a statement, you know? Like, very, very bold, and our friend Mark did all the artwork for the Um So, uh, yeah, I keep saying we're bold, and that's really what it is. The other, um, you know, Lisa is really proud of them, and it's definitely in a new direction. And I think it's still totally complimentary. Okay, yeah, kind of, um, let's kind of go back a little bit. Uh, you know, where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern California, and it's really nice to be driving in California right now, and I was just telling, like, everybody in the band how much I miss it, and because it's so different than the West. It's landscape, horticulture, and the culture itself, uh, and I, I love, I love what sort of a kid were you growing up? What's that? What sort of a kid were you growing up? What sort of a kid was I? Um, kind of like 
if you put me in a school room, I was the kid who was friends with the class clown but didn't get in trouble like the class clown because he didn't also like me. And I would fly about things and a little punk, but not so much that I would, you know, get suspended or get in a lot of trouble because I'm way too much for people to do so I wouldn't push buttons too much. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just, I was punk with everybody. I was kind of a tomboy, played a lot of sports. Uh, I've always been into music. And, yeah, just was very independent and uh, always wanted to teach myself everything that I picked up. When was the, you know, when was the first time you had sort of an itch to, like, do music, to, like, make music or just play music? Since I was a baby, honestly. I mean, like, my mom has stories of me making up my own harmonies songs on the radio at age two and three. <laughs> nice. And she was, like, in shock about it. <laughs> Didn't understand where it was coming from. And then when I picked up piano, weeks into it, I started writing songs. that may have probably very but... Uh, then I started, you know, I progressed writing little waltzes and whatever I was learning at the time, I just made my own version of it. And that's kind of how I've always written whatever I'm influenced by. You know, you put it through your own filter and try to come up with something that's you and creative, but also markets your influences. Right. What was, you know, what was some of the, you know, first music that you ever listened to as a kid? The Beatles. My mom had on nonstop and Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, a lot of police, <laughs> like early police records. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of Les Zeppelin. A lot of just classic rock and 50s, 50s rock um, and pop. And then as I got older and senior high, went more of a goth stage and got into um, the Smith, the Pure. Radiohead, because I had the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, and that's how I found out about them. Uh, and, yeah, and it just continues to expand and expand. With, uh, you know, I feel like I don't spend nearly as much time in record stores as I used to, especially in ages like 16, 20, 21. Um, I would always be in Amoeba Records, which is a great record shop in LA. Yeah. Soaking stuff up in, like, you know, I was the person that would ask the people who worked there, what do you listen to? And I would ask every of my friends to do. And um, now it's different because everything's on your phone and on Spotify. And so you find out about things like playlists or whatever, pitchfork or whatever it is. But, like, I, I kind of miss that culture of having to go somewhere to get Oh, definitely. And then finding out about something totally different because you went to the record store. Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel like there's a... Um a difference in the type of stuff that you find in a record store than what you find online. Um, yeah. A lot of the stuff, like, in some shape or form makes it online, usually on YouTube, but for the most part, there's still troves and troves of music that will never get a proper re-release in the digital world. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what this new generation is missing on, is those stupid little records right. that you find at the record store that was probably an independent release or something that totally. are pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think Bandcamp in some ways fills that role, but it's different. And it, again, it, it lacks that personal experience. But there, 
there are some platforms that do that because I know a lot of people have found out about us, about us you know, and our first two self releases are being canceled and WordPress. So it's not an easy gun, but I don't like it as much. Right, because it was it was, it was cool. Like when you go to the record store, that was kind of that was kind of like the social media of our, of our time, you know, because there would be yeah. a, a bunch of other music heads just hanging out there, and you would yeah. like just talk about things, debate things, you know. They right. would they would uh you know bring up CDs or records that you know you should check out, you know, like yeah, or standing in line to get tickets, to be the first to get tickets. Oh yeah, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, th those those are the days. Those were definitely the yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk yeah. about the the um the live show. Uh, you know, what sort of energy happens at you know at your live show? Um. Yeah, we, we try to bring it as much as possible. Uh, and to you know not be married to recreating the record, but uh. We love the element of surprise at our live shows. It's always kind of something that's quirky or different that happens that you can only really see at our live show, whether it's like the set design we created or built with the help of our friends. And um, it's, you know, it's fun to be on a smaller budget because you really have to think long and hard about what can I do that looks just as cool as if I went to like a beach house, came and polished show. Obviously not on that budget, but like, <laughs> is going to be memorable and, like, cause people to, you know, talk about the show. And so we try to do things like that, and I don't want to give find it that it's uh that's pretty easy or is it a pretty much a challenge to sort of translate what's on the record to a live show it took time that's for sure and our rehearsal space is in our basement so we're really lucky to have you know it's like on any any way it's like okay let's back for two hours and then have dinner and chill and so we recorded a lot of what we were practicing so it really hear what was going on it's the skating sense to say back to space like Thanks for taking the time out to uh, do this interview. It's been a uh, joy to talk with you. Yeah, man. Same here. I'm glad, I'm glad that we got to talk about music and have been a good friend. Oh, yeah, definitely. I always love that. <laughs> I always love that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely be at the Detroit show. I'll, I'll come say hi. Yeah, awesome. That's, that's Marble Bar, right? 
Yes. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay, you have a have a good time on the tour. Good luck. Be safe. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. All right, later. Bye now. So that was the interview with Jessica Dobson, Deep Sea Diver. I'll go ahead and pick up that uh, new album from her and her band, uh, Secrets. It's out now. Really good. If you'd like to uh, support the Fresh is the Word podcast, you can go to our website, which is freshisthepodcast.com, and there's a link at the top that says support the podcast. And on that page, there is a PayPal link that you can donate to, or there is an Amazon link on there that you can use anytime that you want to purchase anything on Amazon. Use that link, and after you make your purchases, Amazon will shoot some commission back to me. I'll just go to help the show. Also, I definitely appreciate all the listens, and if you Definitely want to share the links to the website, freshisthepodcast.com, or any of the links on SoundCloud. That's definitely appreciated and will definitely help support the podcast. You can also reach Fresh is the Word on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word One. That's Fresh is the Word Number One. And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast and give us a like on that page. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So go ahead and search Fresh is the Word on there. Go ahead and subscribe to us. And it also would be very helpful if you go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating and throw some comments on there. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Fresh, 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 fresh is the Word.